0: welcome to the texas values report this is jonathan signs president of texas values great to be with you on a saturday afternoon in the great state of texas we'll have nothing but treats on this show today no tricks so hope you're enjoying your weekend though and um Enjoying time with family, friends, whatever it is you're choosing to do. I'm going to have some concluding comments about a very special event that our team's going to be at later today the Texas Homeschool Coalition event in the Houston area. It's still time to drive out there and get tickets if you want to go to that. But if you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom, and particularly in the arenas of the courts, the legislature in the media. Now, while our work at Texas Values is focused on statewide issues and local issues, we also pay attention on what happens at the national level. We know Texas can impact things nationally, and we know sometimes vice versa. People from outside of our state try to impact our state as well, sometimes for good and sometimes not so good. And so we got a really special guest for the show today that's going to give us some insight from a national perspective, but certainly it impacts the state of Texas or did impact the state of Texas. (coughs) And so, I'm really excited about that. Um, our guest today is George Barna. George is a very successful author. He does a lot when it comes to research as far as the church, as far as elections, what people of faith are thinking about different issues. Um, he's an author over 50 books. He's got a new book out that we're going to be talking about today called The Day Christians changed America. And so George has numerous degrees, uh, one from Boston College. He's got a master's degree, two master's degrees from Rutgers University, and he's also got a doctorate from Dallas Baptist University. So we're going to talk a little bit of Texas stuff at some point in this interview. But George and his wife, Nancy, were married in 1978. They've got uh, three adopted daughters, a grandchild, and I'm sure some wonderful family time that he can share with us. He is from California, but we welcome him onto the Texas Values Report. George, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Uh, That's always great. He's from California, but we welcome him anyway. That's (laughs) right. Well, hey, look,
0: as our listeners know, I don't know if you're aware of this, the state of Texas has banned taxpayer-funded, if you will, travel to the state of Texas because we passed a law earlier this year that protects the religious freedom rights of adoption and foster care agencies that are faith-based. But we might get into that a little bit more into the show. I want to focus, if uh, if we will, and, and I'm sure this is what you'd like to focus on too, we want to talk about your book. The newest book that you have come out is called The Day Christians Changed America, the subline, if you will, how Christian conservatives put Trump in the White House and directed America's future. Tell our listeners just a little bit about your background, and then tell us about the book.
1: Well, I actually got started as a pollster, obviously doing political campaigns, but I started out as a campaign manager, so ran campaigns for... Various office holders and potential office holders at the state, local, and federal level uh, over the years have worked in four different presidential campaigns, including this last one. And uh, so, I've done a lot, but I've been involved also in doing a large amount of marketing and survey research, trying to understand the intersection of faith and culture. Over the course of all that time, I've taken the data. That we've done from our surveys, we've done literally hundreds and hundreds of national surveys, have interviewed uh, close to a million people across the country in the course of those surveys, Uh, but I've never written a book about politics. A lot of the research I've done has wound up in book form so that people would have easier access to the insights that we gained from the research. And when I looked at this particular election, even though I've been involved in elections for close to 40 years now, either as a campaign manager a pollster or some other kind of role, and as a speechwriter or whatnot, it's been interesting to me, reading all the commentators and their take on the 2016 election, and I read stuff, and I listened to the people on TV and radio. Everybody's trying to make sense of the election, but the thing that struck me was that nobody was talking about the role of faith in the 2016 election. And because I'd been a pollster for one of the candidates and worked with uh, more than, uh, what, 75 different organizations that were involved in the election and a lot of different roles in this past election, but did numerous surveys, it was clear to me that faith really was the hinge point of the whole election, and that you could not make sense of that election unless you understood the many different roles that faith played within it, whether that had to do with how faith impacted the thinking, the behavior, the policy stands of the candidates, how it affected the candidate selection process or the issue stands of voters, how it affected the media how it even affected our understanding of what a scandal is. I mean, if you think about it, one of the key things we found in the research was that there were so many scandals related to both Mr. Trump and Mrs. Clinton that affected people's voting choices. And yet we wouldn't even know what a scandal was if it weren't for the Bible discerning for us right from wrong. So, I mean, faith was everywhere in this election. So that's why I came about to write the book.
0: No, that's absolutely true. You know, it's interesting, too, that you said you'd never written a book of this type. I bet you there are a lot of people after this election, they were thinking, man, I've got to write a book about this election. I mean, so much to unpack, To that caught people off guard, that seemed fascinating, yet confusing, all of the predictions, so many of them that were inaccurate and correct, that were wrong, basically. And so just a lot for people to wonder about and to dive into some you know, statistics and to, to really analyze it. So I think it's very fascinating, exciting. And I was delighted that Someone from your team delivered a copy to my office, and, um, and that's where we got the idea of looking through it and wanting to hear you talk more about it, and so I'm excited about it. You, um, we're talking with George Barna, who currently serves as the executive director of the American Culture and Faith Institute, which is a division of United in Purpose, and I mentioned that specifically, George, because I want to talk about Chapter 5 of the book, which really caught my attention. And it's titled The Event Nobody Saw Coming. It's my understanding that the event that was put together in New York City, I believe during the summer last year, was put on by United in Purpose. You had all these Christian conservatives there, and that where Donald Trump was going to really address evangelicals, Christian conservatives, if you will, and really to have their ear. And I was at the event and it was really quite striking. You get into some detail about, you know, the event started as kind of private, a, uh, a select group of a couple hundred folks, and then the word got out and more people got involved. But there were, I mean, there were tremendous people there. Franklin Graham was there. Jerry Falwell Jr. was there. Um, one of our board members and my former boss, Kelly Shackleford, was there. He was one of the few people, as you write in the book, and I remember that, that got to ask Mr. Trump a question. Talk to us about that day. And um, and there's great detail in the book. I don't want to spoil the book, but it's a real key chapter in this book.
1: Well, and it was a real key chapter in the election. One of the things that I contend, and, and I think I found a lot of people who agree with that, is that that was really a turning point in the election for Donald Trump. The original idea behind that whole event was we were concerned that so many Christians across the country who knew this from the research I was doing were planning to sit out the election. They weren't going to vote, because when conservative Christians look at candidates, the number one thing that they're looking for in a candidate that they'll support is the character of the candidate. They want someone with godly character. And as we did our our studies, what we found was only 1% of conservative Christians, this group we call SageCon's, felt that Mr. Trump had godly character, and less than one-half of one percent felt that Mrs. Clinton had godly character. So here we are in an election with two major party candidates, neither of which meets the top criteria that's important to Christian voters. And so we we talked with leaders, Christian leaders across the country, and we found out that an enormous proportion of them were saying, look, I, I, I can't get behind either of these people. And so I'm not going to encourage my people to vote. I'm not going to vote. We're not going to talk about the election. We're just going to go silent on this. No, that's... We knew that would be... I mean, that's a disaster in the making, because what that basically would have done, uh, you know, just statistically speaking, was hand the election to Hillary Clinton.
0: No, those very good points. We're talking with George Barna, the author of the new book, The Day Christians Changed America, How Christian Conservatives Put Trump in the White House and Redirected America's Future. We're talking in detail about Chapter 5, just to give you a little sample, because you got to get this book. It is uh, just fascinating information. It's commentary. It's insight from on the ground. It's details. It's pollster information, if you will. Chapter 5 starts out by saying, By the end of May, it was unclear to everyone except John Kasich that Donald Trump had the GOP nomination in the bag. Yet despite his otherworldly string of primary victories, Trump still had a big problem. It wasn't Hillary or funding, his penchant for controversial tweet storms. We still see some of that. Christian conservatives, essentially the SageCon constituency, couldn't stomach him. And I'll read one other kind of uh, point from the book. This is where Franklin Graham was talking at that meeting that I was at um, last summer. And and Franklin Graham said none of the candidates um, were godly storants, and But there was any doubt Graham said that. Gra- Franklin Graham says, there's no perfect person. There's only one And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's not running for president of the United States this year. I remember when he said that in the room. So SAGE-CONS, you mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, and later on in the book you give some statistics in detail on page 132 about the turnout and the impact that SAGE-CONS has. Tell us what SAGE-CONS are and why they impacted this election, in your opinion.
1: SAGE-CONS is an acronym that stands for Spiritually Active Governance Engaged Conservative Christians. They represent out 10% of the American voting population. These are people whose lives are driven by their faith. They believe the Bible is true and what it says and teaches, and therefore they believe that they are called to have a positive influence on every dimension of society that they can. And so that would include government and politics. So they're better informed than the average American, they're more heavily involved in government and politics than the average American, not because it's a personal passion, but because they believe that's a calling from God. And so in this particular election, as in all of them, you know, we tell all conservative candidates, look, if you run for office, you can't win if you win only the SAGE cons. There aren't enough of them. But you cannot win if you're a conservative candidate unless you get a large share of these people because of their influence, because of their engagement, because of all that they bring to the table In an election. And in this particular election, back when Donald Trump uh, announced his candidacy back in the middle of 2015, a couple months later, we did a survey. 91% of Sage Cons planned to vote against him. But by the time of Election Day, November 8, 2016, 93% of them actually voted for him. And that was with 91%. 91% of them actually turned out to vote. That's it's a un- major swing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been involved in all levels of politics and elections. I've never seen anything like that. So, I mean, it really was unprecedented, and, and there are many different ways of slicing the dice and dicing the numbers. But essentially, this was a Christian versus non-Christian election. What you have is a majority of Christians, whether we're talking about sage cons or evangelicals or non-evangelical born-again or notional Christians, a majority of them voting for Donald Trump. And a majority of the non-Christian portion of America, uh, people aligned with non-Christian faith groups, whether it's Buddhism or Judaism or whatever it may be, and uh, all those who are atheist agnostics and part of that non-group, a majority of them voting for Hillary Clinton. So that's really what it came down to.
0: Just fascinating. We're talking with George Barna, author of the new book, The Day Christians Changed America, all about the election results at the presidential level from last year. And, and just great detail we were talking about sage cons and that's gotten some detail in um one of the later chapters it's it's referenced several times in the book and and this was on one page page 132 if you go to page 141 you've got kind of a table here where you saw the percentage of sage cons uh, and what they consider extremely important at the top of the list 94% abortion the right to life issue Adoption, contraception, so on. Religious persecution is the next. It's 90%. Poverty, 86%. Cultural restoration, 86%. Sexual identity, including same-sex marriage, transgenderism, marriage, LGBT, 86%. Really fascinating and detailed list here, and and this is uh, from the American Culture and Faith Institute 2015 information and a survey results. This is really valuable information. And I will just tell you, George, as you know, I'm a lawyer and an advocate now, but my history is sociology. I was an undergrad sociology student at the University of Texas. And and this is a lot of the stuff we talked about then. But a lot of the issues we're working on today for many of us in the, in the faith and culture, you know, the LGBT, the transgenderism, you know, the bathroom privacy issue, some of these things, it's hard for us to know where some people stand other than what we think, based on common sense, if you will, because a lot of this information is very new. These issues are new. And so I think some of the detail in the numbers and survey results you provide, I think, are very valuable.
1: Well, we also do our research differently because we focus on on faith. And so that chapter that you're referencing, that's actually a list of the issues that uh, conservative Christians were virtually begging their pastors to teach them about at church. They said, I don't want my pastor to tell me who to vote for, but I desperately need my pastor to teach me how to think biblically about these kinds of issues, because I want to talk to my friends and my neighbors and my co-workers about these things, but I don't know what to say. Nobody's teaching me these things. So there's a big role for the church to play, not politically so much, but helping uh Christians people who want to be Christ like to know how to think and how to talk about the issues with other people out there in the culture there's a lot of work yet to be done
0: We're talking with George Barna uh someone who's been involved in faith and polling and politics and culture for decades he's got a new book out The Day Christians Changed America and you're right George because Look, people are already talking about these issues in one way or another. I mean, the media is talking about it. Social media is talking about it. And so, yes, a lot of people are asking, well, what is my church telling me about this issue? That's one of the reasons why I get so enthusiastic, spirited, some people may say, about working on these issues because I come into touch with a lot of people who aren't really sure what to say. I was in that boat once myself when I was much younger, and people challenged me when I was a UT student or somewhere else about what I thought about a certain issue, and I wasn't sure I had a response. And so I think it is very good insight for people, particularly that are church leaders, to have information so they know, well, what, what would be good? And, and they don't have to feel like they're getting political, as you say. These are just topics of our culture and movements, if you will, and new issues that are coming up that people are discussing anyway. And, and it's no surprise that just like a lot of other issues, people would like to think, well, what does my faith tell me about this and how can I address this um, from my perspective and where I am in life? And so I, I love that you uh, tied that together.
1: Well, and it's important because we found that Sage Cons, again, the spiritually active governance engaged conservative Christians, don't want to talk with people unless they know what they're talking about. And so it's really important that they be well informed. And so when we talk about churches dealing with these issues, this is how we make faith practical. It's not just about saying your prayers at night and before you eat a meal. It's really about how do you take the, the principles, the truth principles that are in the Scriptures, and apply them to the tough stuff of daily life. That's what makes faith really practical and helpful and invaluable for a person's life. That's what makes it life-changing.
0: Well, if I was teaching at the University of Texas, I would recommend your book. <laughs> uh, I may be doing that with some of my friends there, Um in the sociology department government department or wherever you're you're so let's and that allows me to segue very nicely into a texas university you're at dallas baptist university one of my staff members david Walls, is a graduate of that university i like to draw into the texas perspective and i was just having some fun with you on california i know that's you're not not your fault california has passed that <laughs> nonsense law where we started Um, So you have your doctorate degree from Dallas Baptist University, so I imagine you spent some time in Texas. Tell us a little bit about that connection.
1: Well, it was great. I had actually taught for a while at uh, Biola University, Pepperdine University, and then Biola University out here. And one of the fellows that I'd worked with at Biola went out to DBU. Uh, He took over the business department at DBU, and so he invited me to come out there, and I did some teaching and then you know classwork, and it was a great experience. You know, Texas is a, really a world apart from the Socialist Republic of California. It's uh, you know very different, and I enjoyed my time there. Are a lot of great people, great baseball team at the school. You know, and I'm a huge baseball fan, so uh, it, it was really. Oh special. no,
0: we're gonna have to get into that discussion now: Dodgers versus <laughs> Astros.
1: Well, I, you know what? It's funny you bring that up because this morning I received from uh, overnight delivery my tickets for the Yankees being in the World Series. I was born in New York City. I got tickets to Yankee World Series, and then they blew it. So,
0: yeah. Like hey, I look, I you know I lived in I've lived in Texas all my life. Grew up in Houston, and I um, two seasons I had a share of season tickets, and so in two thousand four we almost made the World Series. And we didn't. We lost in the LCS, and they sent you those tickets, right? I still have some of those, of course. They send you them ahead of time, but then it didn't come to fruition. But in 2005, it did work out, and I went to Game 4. We were swept by the Chicago White Sox. But all right, George, before we finish, before I forget, i got to tell you my little baseball connection with you here. So I did go to the Game 4 of the 2005 World Series, Astros lost, but I have a ball signed from every member – of a World Series champion, and it's none other than the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1988. And oh, nice. it is one of my most valuable memorabilia pieces, you know, if you can appreciate as a baseball fan. So as a, 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 a co-worker of my mother, his son was like a relief pitcher on the Dodgers. She didn't even ask him. He went to one of the games. He brings back this ball. I mean, it's got Hershizer on it. It's got Lasorda, Steve Sachs. It's got Kirk Gibson. They all signed it. And, and and as a kid, I think it was in high school or something, and I just thought it was amazing. So I have held on to it, of course, ever since then, but that's not going to complicate me in this series, okay? I'll be going for my Astros, and so Game 4 is tonight, Saturday, October 28th, 7. We'll see what happens, but, you know, it's fun, though. I mean, baseball's a great game. I've been able to coach my children and uh, it just seems like such quality people on both organizations. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of Texas-California rivalry fun going on. But look, we love the fact that you work on these issues, George. As someone who works in the faith and culture uh, values space, if you will, I appreciate it. I appreciate that it's not just commentary in this book. There's research in here. There's statistics. It legitimately could be a book used in a, in a, uh, in a college Uh, campus classroom setting, and so I hope you continue to do more like this. And uh, the book, again, The Day Christians Changed America by George Barna, get a copy of it. You'll enjoy it. George, we're excited that you came on the show and the Texas Values Report, and we hope to hear more from you, and God bless you in the work you continue to do.
1: Well, thank you, Jonathan, for all that you and your team do, and I look forward to talking with you again in the future.
0: That's great. Good stuff. I always like to bring it to the personal level, right? You know, just to, and I, I didn't know George was a baseball fan uh, before I brought him on, and I probably I probably dominated more of that last five, two or three minutes. So I have to apologize to Mr. Barna, but uh, you know, it's fun that what he said though about getting the tickets. I, I had that exact same experience, but you know, look, um, the work that he's doing very important, and a lot of people are wondering what happened during the election. How did we get to this point? You want to know? Check out the book, The Day Christians Changed America. We only have a few minutes left in the show this week. A lot of things happening. Texas Homeschool Coalition's holding their gala tonight in the Houston area. Uh, still time to get tickets if you want to attend. U.S. Senator Ted Cruz is going to be there. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's going to be there. Attorney General Ken Paxton. But don't forget, December 7th, we are holding our gala in Houston. Homeschool Coalition's dear friends. So we're going to be sponsoring their event, uh, Tim. Lambert and his team, Jeremy Newman, they do great work. Our gala is December 7th in Houston, and it's going to be um, on a Thursday night. And there's plenty of tickets left, okay? we got six weeks, but don't wait. Um, Things could... Could get tightened up very soon. We're certain to sell out. We sold out in in 2015. We sold out in 2016. We're going to have Ken Paxson there, the author of the Texas Privacy Act, Senator Lois Kohlkhorst, Reverend Rafael Cruz, father of U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, is going to be there. We're going to have a dynamic lineup and great interest and inspirational speakers, but all for a good cause, to raise money for Texas Values for our nonprofit organization for faith, Family and freedom in Texas, no better place to do it this year in Houston. You know, I mean, and look, we know that there are a lot of charitable efforts going on in Houston, and we don't want to disturb that. The work that we do is important as well. We had made a commitment to do the event in Houston before things got real difficult for that area with hurricane Harvey and we talked about it you know should we keep the event there and you know it's going to be we don't want you know people to think we're being insensitive cuz we're raising money while people are trying to raise money for their basic needs we i believe have been sensitive to that but it's our way too to help the local economy. I mean, let's just be honest. Having a fundraiser there helps. Um, have an event there. It helps. And, and it just look, we we're with Houston. I mean, that that's kind of my deal. Was to show our commitment to the community and say, look, we're with you. Also, you know the however the event goes. This is our com- commitment to show that we care about the people in that area. This is where I'm from. All right. Don't let me get all choked up now. But celebrating our five years. Celebrating a milestone. I'm just going to say, as the leader of the organization, one of its founders, and a few of our board members, you know, so much of it started in Houston. And not just about me, but I mean, look, Houston is the area where the San Jacinto Monument is, where freedom for Texas is won, okay? If there's no Houston, if there's no Sam Houston, there's no Texas, and there's no Texas values, all right? So that's how I connect it all, and it's for real. So come with us on December 7th. Txvalues.org is our website. You can find tickets there December 7th for our Faith, Family, and Freedom gala to raise money, to raise support, so we can keep doing things like this radio show and and be involved in the work that we do to educate. You heard George Barna. People got to get educated. Christians have got to get educated on these issues. Check out his book, The Day Christians changed America. That wraps things up. Go Astros. I'll see you next week on the Texas Values Report.